What's up, everybody? This is Mike Kosicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins, and you're listening to Top Shelf Fantasy Podcast. Go Dolphins. Top Shelf Fantasy. What's up, Shelfies? We got another big old podcast coming for you. Another division preview. Top Shelf. Podcast number 204. Doing the AFC East tonight. We got me, Craig, Scotty in the building. Uh, hoping for actually a lot of news today. So we're going to hammer through some big stuff for y'all. And uh, yeah, as always, listen to us on any podcast player out there. If not, please tweet at us, Instagram us, Facebook us at Top Shelf FNTSY, or just listen on our website at topshelffantasy.com. Please reach out, reach out with your questions. It's getting towards draft time. We're ready to start helping you guys out. If you need any tier break information or various other things, I think we'll have our draft get ready soon. But for the time being, let's get into it. Give me the beat, boys. News. Big How- news. <laughs> Kyler Murray extended. Finally, five years, five years, and thirty million. A little um, bit of homework. And Craig, I, I, I love how you, you did add this in here because I saw it today. I'm like, it's good, I guess. A four-hour study clause is it per day? Per week? Uh, no, or per, per week. week per which week. is, to be honest, not, not that not much. Not a lot. Not <laughs> a half an hour, hour day. Hour day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's it, there's also part of it that says he cannot have any other distraction while he's studying and i guess the biggest thing with kyler murray or it has been said or whatever, i don't know exactly how it all got out i don't know if this is this is put out there from the gm which i don't know why he would uh, i mean the owner not the gm why he would want people to know his quarterback doesn't take it seriously but um i guess he's a big call of duty fan um and I even saw a graphic that said that showed when the yearly Call of Duty release date is, and it happens in week nine. And a <laughs> week nine or after, he's absolutely horrible. My God, That's too funny! Imagine that. That is imagine insane. you literally need to because protect your he's... investment with that kind of stuff because of video games. So yeah, that's um, sad. I don't. I don't know if it's it's all smoke. I don't know if it's circumstantial. I don't know. No. I mean, Kyler Murray has come out and said he goes. I study anyway. Like I don't know why we have this. And I, you, you have to be successful quarterback. You have to study. So it's it's kind of funny, but at the same time, I I don't take too much into read too much into it. I he's he's gonna be a fine. I, yeah, I would like to see how commonplace clauses like this are. Like if they're widespread throughout a lot of contracts. And it's just kind of funny to point it out this time, like, oh, God, this is Kyler, yeah. yeah like, he, let's let's he stir the, the end of the year kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it all depends on how convenient it is, but it's interesting that if they're, however, they're going to track that. Because I was saying, I'd love to see another Jamarcus Russell situation unfold, where they hand him a blank tape, and they come back and they, hey, did you do your uh, four oh hours? My God, that's this right. Week? He's like, yeah, yeah, plays the great. And all of a sudden, blank DVD, and we get the second round of the funniest thing that ever happened in the NFL. But I mean, to, with today's software, they probably have like eye tracing technology. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, wear this headset, and we'll make sure you're reading. Like, Fuck, can't get away with anything anymore. Can't even Jim just play Marcus video games instead of working. Right. Uh, oh, but yeah, moving on from Kyler Murray, he'll be fine. Um, Raheem Mostert cleared to start training camp. That's uh, I would wouldn't say a shock because he got early uh, hurt early in the season last year. We far more of a shock. James Robinson. Clear to start training camp. 
Yeah, that's a big one. He was an Achilles tear, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he was very questionable for week one to start. I mean, he could still go on the pup. It, it's still early, yep. but the fact that they didn't, didn't toss on the pup to start the camp shows that he's way ahead. Which you love to him. see if you're a James Robinson owner in Dynasty League Dickie. or if you're a James Robinson fan. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, I spent a lot of the day as an ETN owner talking myself into this not being bad news because, you know, now you get the 50-50, 60-40, whatever split, and one guy doesn't have to do all the work and probably get hurt earlier because of it. So there's a way to, you know, count this as a silver lining no matter who you who you uh, place your faith in in that backfield. Um, i trying to see when he got hurt last year. I'm just trying to pull it up on Sleeper right now. Yeah, it's week 16. Is that right? No. No, that can't be right. It would have to, I, I believe, if I'm not. He missed the last like four weeks, I think. I mean, yeah, 16, 17, 18. He played week 15, the full game. I wonder what these Achilles surgeries are now. Oh, he, had, he did get, get hurt. The, yeah, sure. Yeah, toss on Twitter. He, he did get hurt the, that week. You're right. Yeah. So it's like, that's a, that's a quick, uh, quick little comeback. There. It's, that's interesting. It's I mean, makers ask. Yeah. And Donta Foreman took two years. So it's it's just very interesting to see. Maybe, you know, they had talked about ACL surgeries nowadays are no um they are a lot different than they used to be. So maybe Achilles surgeries yeah. now are starting I, to get better. I mean, Marlon I Mack came back. I mean, he was he was a full year, but we've never seen him really play a full load again. So it'll be interesting. James James Robinson almost becomes the case study for Achilles repair, him and Cam Akers. True. Yep. Definitely something to keep an eye out on because that used to be a very long recovery. If Uh, you recovered. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you have CMC also cleared to start training camp, which is huge. Um, This is the time of year that you want to see CMC healthy. This is going to shoot him up draft boards more than likely. Um, Whether that pays off or doesn't take a look at my previous article about your first overall picks, everybody, but CMC healthy. If he makes it through training camp and he's, you know, no worse for wear, he's right back in that top three running back conversation. I think, top, especially if he plays every game, he's top three, regardless. Right. Like, yeah, if you, if you project him for a full season, you can't, you cannot keep him outside of hmm. a top three draft position. Um, in, in really any format, if it's full PPR, I mean, anything is, is on the table. 101's on the table at that point. Yep. If he catches 100 balls. I mean, there's your season. But the health is always a concern. So keep keep monitoring CMC. We'll keep it uh, keep it up to date for you. Any any new breaking revelations on him will come out. TSF will probably have the story first. We're pretty quick. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo uh, had a physical today. I don't know how that went. I didn't see anything on my uh, on my yeah, notifications, but I did see that Kyle Shanahan has uh, dedicated himself to Trey Lance. So maybe it didn't go so well. I mean, yes. We kind of yeah. knew it was always going to be Trey Lance anyways. I just think it would just right now it was kind of like, all right, they think he's healthy enough where they're now going to say, all right, go ahead, go to, you know, for a trade, like go to any of the team you want. Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, maybe it does, maybe that does indicate that he passes physical because had he not, they may not be able to trade him. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they would be like, uh, you know, you locked into a guy who's hurt forever, but yeah. Um, I guess Trey Lance's team to lose. Jimmy G hopefully finds another place to play quarterback this year. Now, where where could he play to start Week One? Seattle is your yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 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 only them, right? Seattle and the 
the the trick with them is that they're a divisional opponent. So do you want to trade him? Like, would the Patriots ever trade their quarterback of any any caliber to the Jets to help him out? No, like I doubt it. So there's a major roadblock in the way of that happening. Never mind actually coming to terms and agreements on his large salary and lack of talent and skill right. and who you swap and players. And I think cash. And uh, yada, yada. Yeah. I think he's going to end up being a backup veteran. Yeah. Cause you, you could say Detroit, but they're already paying a backup starter in golf. So much money a year. They can't do, you, they, yeah. they can't have two guys worth that much. You almost it would be more likely, and I think you'd open up the team, um, the teams that would would be able to be in on him if he were to be released, and then new teams could sign him to a new deal because his his deal is kind of cost prohibitive for a lot of teams. But I'd still look at a team that we had him projected to potentially go to in the offseason, which is the Steelers. I still think that's a great fit for them if Mitch Trubisky doesn't work out and um Pickett's not ready to play quite yet. I mean, instead of throwing Pickett to the Wolves in a system where he can't really thrive that early on, let Jimmy G play a gap here in a division you're probably not going to win, regardless of what happens. So I think that might be a good fit. But I I think beyond that, yeah, and and again, right, they've committed to two quarterbacks. Why bring another one in this late in the game? But again, if you don't have if if the front office doesn't have any faith in Mitch after two three weeks in. He's a trade target, you know? Yeah. Hey, can you come in? He's smart enough to learn an offense and get a basic game plan installs week of probably maybe one week off. And then he's back up the next week. But the last thing you're doing is throwing picket to the wolves. If they actually think he's their long-term solution at quarterback, mm-hmm. I think that, Oh, at least I think it's a mistake. And I think the Steelers are a solid enough franchise to realize the same. And Tomlin knows he's not going anywhere. They're stable enough the same way that um, Andy Reid sat Mahomes for a year. It's the right move to do it. If you think you have your guy, if they think Pickett sucks, maybe see him early and you don't see a Jimmy G trade at all. All hypothetical. Yeah. And I did look, uh, the guy that reported the physical news, like the Jimmy G physical, I, I went on this page. I didn't find any other news. Um, however, I did see a little anecdote that said that uh, Kyle Shanahan said that he doesn't expect Jimmy G to ever practice for them again. So, all right, so he's definitely gone. That's an indication that he might be getting moved soon. That they might have something in place once he passes the physical. So, yeah. Um, other news: Chris Carson retires, semi-retires, whatever you want to call it, from the NFL. He's officially released by Seattle. Failed physical designation. Will not play this season. It seems like at least uh, he said he's not putting a full pin in it. Maybe he's back, but it's a serious neck injury. Yeah. Rashad Penny's next man up in Seattle, I think. Uh, maybe with Kenneth Walker breathing down his neck for reps and who knows who else is who might emerge over there. DJ Dallas is still there too. Yeah, so. DJ yeah. Dallas, Travis Homer is supposed to get the passing work from mm-hmm. everything that I've read. And then yeah, uh, yeah Penny is supposed is going to start uh start it off, see how long he holds on see how long he holds on to the job. Rashad um, Penny tears the ACL week two. Maybe yeah. a little relief. I was gonna say three, but two, all right. I mean, and, and, and now you're starting to think, well, I don't really think there's much of Travis Homer or DJ jealous to really even like hang your hat on now. I don't know. Do they bring in another running back? That's, that's going to be an interesting backfield to see what happens. Cause if they bring in, um, uh, who is, who is the uh, ballet dancer there that played for them last year, uh, for a little while, uh, that came over from Baltimore from all those years ago. That was Collins. 
Alex oh, Collins. They could re-sign him again, who did, had some success with them last year. So that could be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, pr- uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate for Chris Carson because he did have such a um, you know injury-riddled career, but also a successful one when he played. And seventh-round pick too. He was a seventh-round pick, great for fantasy. You know, we. Uh, it seemed like he was a guy best. every year you got at a discount, and then right. he, you know, came until and he, he was he like decent work, and then I don't yeah, have a neck anymore. Yeah, he always he was, <laughs> he was always at a discount because everyone knew he was always hurt. Yeah, you, yeah, you got him. He got you probably to your playoffs, and then he sat on your bench injured during your playoffs. He was so always yeah. a risky player. Whoever a buys in, cook. whoever buy, bought into him, always knew the risk. <laughs> and then uh, let's move on from Chris Carson here to Trey Edmonds. Why is this who, even fucking news? was cut by i don't know i just the shittiest edmonds brother i was writing Uh, in the news and this popped up so i was like well why not i mean okay so Najee harris is breathing you know he doesn't give a shit about this guy either so uh, moving on backs in pittsburgh got swapped out moving on uh julio jones he signs kind of last minute of the uh business day today right under the five o'clock wire uh signs with tampa on a one-year deal so he's ring chasing pretty blatantly um i mean i don't blame him you and, and, combine this with the Chris Godwin news too. So yeah, and yeah. in the same breath, we get Chris Godwin our, gets cleared. Our phone sleeper or Bleacher report um, text like Godwin's cleared for camp. Awesome, he's not going on pup as a fantasy owner for of Godwin's. That's sick. Minute two minutes later, Julio Jones signs with the Bucks. I'm like, wait, do they mean Chris Godwin is on pup now? Or <laughs> like, yeah. So Chris Godwin clears these these. Full go, not full go, but but looking good. Then they sent Julio. Uh, I mean, I saw Julio play last year. A massive shove himself, but it's just another distraction slash weapon for Tom Brady to have. Like, if Julio's on the field with Mike Evans, you have to guard both guys in the red zone. Like, you have uh, yeah. to. I was just going to say, so you, um, and hopefully everybody got a chance to read the, the Bold Predictions article, I mean, you had a, a good take on Mike Evans that yeah. now gets majorly hurt because Julio Jones Julio. is that red zone target. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, do I... I mean, Mike I Evans is still true, the red zone target. He's yeah, do I think Julio is a, a true threat to, uh, to Mike Evans? No. Maybe Julio plays tight end. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I mean, I mean like, I, I slow enough. I feel like Maybe he Mike plays Evans DB. as what is your eight <laughs> that he is as a top yeah. three. The Julio signing is a little tougher to get to get I'll put, there because I'll put Julio at freaking safety though. Remember when he ran down that guy and murdered him? Guy's a monster. But they, in they, any case, they do, do need secondary. Yeah. In any case, though, uh, Chris Godwin being back, I think is even bigger news, or at least cleared for training camp. Maybe this is an insurance policy. If he has a setback, they don't need to rush him back week one or two. Maybe he could even open the season on the four week pup. But let's see. Um, let's also not forget it's not Bill Belichick but we've seen wide receivers for the Patriots awesome wide receivers on paper come in Reggie Wayne Eric Decker and they're just cut before training camp you can see the same thing with Julio just keep that in mind too what was Godwin's injury ACL how much time do you have? It was an um, ACL because he, it, I mean, he got, he tore it in week 15. It was yeah. January 6th, I believe. I have, I don't know. I just got the game log and it said week, week 15. So yeah, so that's right real there. fast. 
Yeah, when it first happened, I'm reading the report. As an owner, ho- it may cost uh, uh, him. I hope he waits a couple weeks, which I think the Hulu signing kind of shows like, all right, we got Hulu and Russell Gage. We brought in Kyle Rudolph. Like, I don't, looks like Godwin to start week one. And, and I'm fine with that as a Bucks and as a fantasy owner of Godwin. Like, let him heal first because if not, he's done. Right. If you go out there too soon and then you lose the whole season, the one week meant nothing. So, yep. yeah, use Julio as a little patchwork, fill in, and then be smart about it. And I think I think Tampa will. They're not you know, they're not playing for the week one Super Bowl. They're playing for actual Super Bowls. It seems as though that there's got to be some sort of performance enhancer that has now been allowed that was <laughs> not before. Because yeah, all but everyone's, not for Hopkins. I was going to say not for Hopkins. Which Hopkins? DeAndre. DeAndre. No, he's he's clear. He's just suspended. Oh, oh, that. Okay, yes, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, he used, he used the, wrong the wrong one. one. He got Correct. he got the wrong notification. Well, so, I was gonna I was gonna say, but the Baltimore Ravens didn't get the memo. Well, so you're so you're legally allowed <laughs> yeah. to use HGH for recovery for your um, post surgery now because you're under doctor supervision and medically cleared for your proper recovery. You just have to get off it in in appropriate amount of time as instructed by your doctor. So these guys are just getting patched up growing new ligaments, tendons for however long, whatever the allotted amount of legal time is, they just need to be off it for a certain amount before the year starts. So maybe Hopkins went over that threshold. Maybe, you know, yada, yada, yada. Maybe self-reported and said, Hey, I needed a little bit more HGH in my system. Bang me for six games and call it a day. But it's legal now. It wasn't legal when Rodney Harrison did it years and years ago, but it's been legal since Edelman did it. And he ran over the timeline too. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Yeah, drugs are legal when you do them how people say you're allowed to do them. Um, carrying get, on. Yeah, can you get a human growth hormone for an appendectomy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow has an appendectomy. He will be back in a few weeks. Not a major surgery, non-invasive, outpatient surgery nowadays. So he'll be back. Um, that's really it. He'll be back before week one, no problem. And I will say it's supposed to be like a two to four week recovery for an appendectomy, I believe. But that's just to resume like normal activity getting smoked around by like, you know, freak athlete linebackers and DNs is not normal activity for most people. So he might need a little bit longer, but I'd assume he's fine. And I assume they can handle that with a flak jacket. He'll just bleed a little. Yeah. (laughs) Not a big, not a big problem. Hopefully externally and not internally. I wonder how much weight you lose by having an appendectomy. Someone might want to tell Leonard Fournette. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. I mean, if you go, Golf butter, it's like 40 pounds. <laughs> so do that. Instead. Oh, that's why he lost 15 pounds in a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Do we get He's going to play in the, the, shape the uh, puppy guys? Yeah. Ton of players on the pup um, to start the season. New rule that Craig pointed out to us is that the pup is now limited to four weeks if they start the season on the pup, which is a change what, from what, what was it last year? Was it seven? It was eight. set. Eight, yeah, eight. It was eight. eight. It, it, it was eight still. Okay. Um, like it, 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 because the IR is three, right? Or at least three. I think so. The pups longer. Like, so, yeah. So like, turn season if you're the IR is at least three weeks. Yeah, and that's three, you and saw, then you can like, you have a couple going, of those designated to return slots. You know like, what I'm no wondering? IR dash R. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm wondering too is I thought that there was a stipulation that if you were on the preseason pup that pushed into the regular season, it was one time frame, and then one time frame if you were put on the pup during preseason, right before the regular season. So I wonder if that's the two um, lengths. But uh, anyway, 
four weeks. If anyone that's on the pup right now will only have to miss four weeks of the regular season if they open up the year still on the pup and not activated before week one. And guys on that list include J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. They signed Corey Clement in Baltimore. Didn't know that. That's interesting. Kind of. Michael Thomas, Jamison Williams, Christian Watson, Robert Tunyon, the Funyuns, David Bell, C.J. Uzoma, Sterling Shepard. Uzoma's off now. Who? Sterling Shepard? Yeah, Uzoma, I heard he got – he reported today, but I wrote this earlier. You could get off it the next day. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then Logan Thomas, CEH, Justin Ross, who is not going to play the season. He's on season-ending IR. And, unfortunately, John Mechie, who we but you know wish all the best in the world, best wishes to him and his family. He's dealing with leukemia. Apparently, it's supposed to be one of the most treatable forms of cancer, so hopefully he's back next season. He seems pretty confident. He was the one who re- released the info, so he'll be back playing for Houston next year and hopefully ripping the NFL up. Uh, you know, yeah, this guy can't catch a break the last two years. Yeah, brutal, brutal yeah, run for him. But same with Justin Ross, for that matter. I mean, guy had last four years. Yeah, for Justin Ross. what spinal fusion surgery? He thought he'd never walk again. Then yeah. he's back. He's ready to play. And he's in the IR foot for surgery. foot surgery, not not for the neck yeah. or the back. Yep. He's like, I finally cleared that, and now I got a foot that's Sucks. bugging me. So he's he's a a big should, uh, big big fall from, from where talk he to was. Chris Carson. Right. And then, um, I yeah. didn't know Ceh was on the pup. So it came out today after our whole debacle and our our chat I'm, like, I'm waiting for someone to say like make fun of me <laughs> um <laughs> but reading more into it it's kind of like oh he could be off in like two days okay like, it's undisclosed so it, it, it it's like a use on my thing like yeah he's on it now but tomorrow he could be off of it so it doesn't sound like it's anything severe if it was we'd probably hear about it by now yeah yeah uh, Craig, training camp rumors. You want to get into that? Yeah, sure. Um, I didn't really know where to place these. Some of them were here. Some of them weren't. It started off with the Devin Singletary is getting all the first team reps. That's a real training camp rumor. Um, whether it's, you know, it's obviously a true statement. Um, whether that continues throughout the entire preseason into regular season, I don't know. But um, Devin Singletary, that's, I mean, something to be said. Um and then uh, Derek Henry is unlikely to play in preseason games. Um, that's a little, I mean, it's not shocking, but it is in the, in the sense that it's like, well, he played in the playoffs. So it's a little weird that they would hold him out now. Um, maybe they just don't want any kind of wear and they want him to be full go, you know, for the, the, the rest of the regular season. It's we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a little concerning. But yeah, I just I just look at it as very, very little upside to putting him in meaningless games. Why risk it? Why give him the extra mileage if he wants to, you know, to, you know take it take one series or something on the fourth game? I'm sure they'll say, OK, we don't care what we said in the past, but it's just not worth the risk. I mean, he didn't play a, a, a game last summer either. Yeah. Oh, OK. All so right. and that... same with CMC. So it's kind okay. of like at, the, at, at this point, it's like, why even why even bother to try because yeah, you yeah. you know you have week one regardless all right yeah, exactly. well then that's good um and then um marquise brown was put on the uh non-football injury related hamstring so um that just came out and figured it was training camp news um non-football injury don't know how where it came from 
but yeah, I'm always concerned or not concerned, but confused about where those happen and how they happen. Like does non-football injury mean like, Hey, I was running on the treadmill for football practice. And then I, you know, tweaked my hammy. So I wasn't doing it on the field. (laughs) It constitutes not being on team facilities when it happened. Ah, okay. And all I read is that he's eligible to return to any time he's ready to practice. So if he's good to go, he's, he's back on day of it's, essentially no big deal but for a burner like marquise brown it's a big deal something to keep an eye on because a hammy as we know those will stick with you the only the only thing i would be concerned about is that it will take some time for him to learn the new offense um regardless of the fact that he played with Kyler murray before he's it's a new offense it's, he hasn't been on this offense before and this is one where cliff kingsbury has it's a way different offense in baltimore yeah it's 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 very, very specific to route running mid play. Yeah. As much so. as I as much as I agree, Marquise Brown's plays are just run, go fucking straight, dude. As fast as you can. He doesn't need much time to know that. <laughs> okay. I suppose. <laughs> it's run straight, but he needs to know which which player which uh linebacker is yeah. to go over or under. Uh, mm-hmm. And then what uh you know what he really needs to work on is the end of the running straight play where he catches the ball and secures yeah. the touchdown. Yeah. yeah he instead of dropping yep. three of them a game. So um all right, let's get into the entire point of this podcast, which is the <sighs> final AFC division preview, the AFC East. We got we got a little interesting, uh, little interesting changes in this division this year. But let's take it in the order of last year's finish. You want to go bottom to top, I suppose. That's probably the best way to do it. So we'll start off with the, I don't know, horrible New York Jets team. They did not play well last year, to say the least. They finished four and thirteen, first year under new head coach Robert Sala and uh, um, new offensive coordinator Michael Floor. So. I think I expected a little bit better than four and 13 to be quite honest, but they dealt with a few issues. I mean, their, their franchise quarterback that drafted in Zach Wilson got hurt and they had to battle through that. He struggled mightily I'd say, but he, he showed some flashes that I think there is some upside for, for Zach Wilson next year. But when you look at his stats from last year at only 56% completion percentage, he needs to up that. Now, did he have the weapons around him to easily perform better than that? No, not really, but nine touchdowns and 11 picks needs what would you say a lot of improvement some improvement a massive improvement. <laughs> uh, when mo- your backup Strongly mike agree. white comes in and plays far better than you and then when you're healthy it's like should we start mike white or zach wilson like that shows you how bad zach wilson was yeah mike white was the darling of uh when you said, franchise quarterback, when you said franchise quarterback i thought you meant mike white <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah I mean, quite honestly but zach wilson does appear that he's he's bound for some positive uh improvement this year unless he keeps banging his mom's friends and whatever and distract himself with that but i won't i don't want to get into that i think that's mostly a rumor um the i'd say the the bright spot of the jets offense last year was at least in the running back room was by far michael carter uh he came out and looked fantastic and then the jets being the jets go ahead and turn around and draft a running back in Brees hall in the first round so uh well not the first round but with was it the first second round? round second yeah, round. second round second round um, but either way, that instantly catapults uh, Michael Michael Carter way down the depth chart. Breesall is now the presumed RB1 there. And yes, they'll probably have some measure of a split. What that split looks like, hard to say. 70-30? Or you think Michael Carter takes a third end roll? Hey, they came from the 49ers. This is going to be a 50-50. Or a 33-33-33. 
Oh, he got Ty Johnson looked great last year too. And Tevin Coleman, I think, is cut. But um, I'm really shocked at these numbers here. Uh, I think yeah, I no, I'm they have right now. Like, they have the wrong Michael Carter in the formula. He had 147 attempts, 639 yards, and four yep. touchdowns. I literally, because I just looked at that and I said, 24 this attempts. Hell sense, wrong. No. It's the wrong Michael Carter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he was obviously uh, the bright spot, like you were talking about. And Brees Hall will eat into it. But Tevin Coleman, I don't, I don't know if we had put anything on here. Um, but I think he was an NFI list as well, non-football injury-related situation. So uh, he's going to start a little behind the ball. And then uh, I don't think Ty Johnson factors in anymore. Um, so it's it's realistically going to be two pretty good running backs for this run-heavy. It should be a run-heavy team based off of what uh, Sala and LaFleur will do. Um, so it's my piece on the running. Yeah, I mean, mean, you're you're 100% right. There's no reason to expect that both aren't viable uh, fantasy players week in and week out, but I, I think it might be one of those classic situations where you're kind of guessing who's going to be the guy, and you'd hate to be involved with that for, for fantasy football. Um, and then flip over to the passing game. Sure, we talked about Zach Wilson and not a lot of weapons around him last year. This year, I mean, you're bringing back Corey Davis, I think, is, who's a solid receiver and definitely has a lot of upside for a guy like uh, Zach Wilson to kind of throw it and let him kind of go get it. Then you've got Denzel Mims, who's really never panned out. Doesn't look like he's going to have much of a role because since then you've drafted two far, far superior um, guys in last year taking Elijah Moore and then this year going out and getting arguably the top wide receiver in the draft, depending on who you ask, in Garrett Wilson. So two guys that I think dominate the top of the depth chart are going to end up being Elijah Moore and, and Garrett Wilson with Corey Davis kind of filling that third role. At least that's how I project it. Maybe you guys have a different take. On which I think is awesome. If Corey Davis takes a third role, which I think he will, like we saw Davis last year, beginning of the season, like he was the wide receiver one there by far. Like he was a startable wide receiver two, three on fantasy teams until he, he got hurt. But if he's coming into the season as wide receiver three on the Jets, it's great for fantasy. I don't know how great it is to draft Corey Davis. It depends how good Zach Wilson's gonna be. Like it's it's hard being like, hey, draft the third wide receiver from the Jets and feel comfortable. Right. Probably not going to. Like of the course, third I'll, from the Jets yeah. who don't throw that much. So, with so Zach um I'll let Craig talk after this, but if I'm going to the first person the Jets went in draft is a wide receiver. I think it's easily Elijah Moore, just because he was there for one year. Um, he looked great last year. High pick, not as high as Garrett Wilson, but still one more year in the NFL. I think it is, is massive. Garrett Wilson's gonna be fine, I think. But if you're doing a sec- a safe pick as your top Jets receiver, that's Elijah Moore. And Michael Carter's stats are now updated in the sheet. I don't know why they pulled. That oh, because you guy. too. No, I just typed them manually. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's good to actually see, too, that he actually had a lot of receptions, too. So they're working on that um, in the backfield. They're going to have receptions go somewhere. Um, I would agree with the Elijah Moore point because I think that that's the, more, that's the style that uh, this offense is, is going through. Um, wide zone, you know, um, 
you know, 11 personnel probably with Elijah Moore, you know, being the slot guy. Um, And I was actually looking at his yards per reception at 12.5. And when you look at some of the other slot guys around the league, there's, they're a lot less in, in, in yards per reception. Um, Just even looking at Jameson Crowder's and on on their same team with 71 uh, targets, 8.76. So more is used outside of the slot but is going to be the main guy because that's not what Corey Davis is going to do. That's not what Garrett Wilson's going to do. Garrett Wilson's a sideline guy. And I think, well, obviously Garrett Wilson can do whatever he wants, but um, I just think that it's, it's just best to run through there. Um, And, and I, I have a lot of faith in Garrett Wilson. Um, I don't know how much I have in, in, in Zach Wilson, but um Gary Wilson has to have something. And, and I know Corey Davis was specifically sought after last year as that type of wide receiver that Robert Sala wanted um, was that bigger over the top kind of guy. Um, they wanted Denzel Mims to be that guy, but he's not. But um, I, I really, I, I think all three should be fantasy relevant at some point during the season. Um, they could take a, a really big, massive step up. It's, it all depends on Zach Wilson at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what we're going to, we'll be able to tell by, I think we'll be able to tell by the first two or three games, what we're going to get out of Wilson and what we're going to get out of the rest of the wide receiver room. Yeah. I'm a little uh, worried on Corey Davis for like a, a redraft. If it's, if it's a 10 team redraft, I'm not touching him 12 team. He's probably a bench guy that I'll play in by week. Hell, if I have it, 14 team. Yeah. I'm probably taking them and, you know, kind of the same thing. I'll play him when I need him. Maybe as a flex spot here and there. He's a poor man. Dynasty, t- you know, you, yeah, he, he's a poor he'll man. Be, he'll be everywhere. Tyler Boyd for this year. If you can, can yeah. compare the yeah. Bengals, yeah. Gary Wilson, yeah, like a dirt yeah. poor, dirt poor man. Tyler yeah. Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're definitely trying, but the problem too is, is that the majority of them are under 24 years old. You know, yeah. Corey Davis is the only veteran in that entire positional room we're talking running backs quarterbacks wide receivers like, like, like by and, years and years and years and, 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 he's, yeah. and he's only on his second contract right <laughs> i was know? gonna say he does and he doesn't come with this veteran pedigree because right. he kind of toiled in mediocrity for his entire first contract yeah with the titans until he had that one breakout season and got a big big money deal from the Jets. so um very very uh questionable outlook for Corey davis but the other two I'm on board. Those are my top two guys. No matter how you slice them, I think you. I think you're right, though. I think Elijah is the one I want first, and then Garrett second. Um, then I guess the other receivers that we haven't talked about, the tight ends that they brought in, CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin. Um, we've been fooled by Jets tight ends time and time again, and typically they only have one of them, and it's Chris Herndon, and then he does nothing. This time they decided to double down and spend a fuckload of money on two tight ends. And I don't know if that's a Robert Sala kind of like we want them to block and they're also pretty good athletes. We can use them in a few different arenas. Maybe we did see what the, what the um, Niners have done with like the George Kittle type player. Uzoma and Conklin are not George Kittle type players. They're good, serviceable fill in tight ends. Uzoma had a big year last year. Conklin looked, you know, uh, above average in a few games, but kind of didn't, um, he wasn't consistent enough for him to be like, like a consistent fantasy starter. And I don't think you're going to see them be all too relevant in the New York Jets system. That's just my take on it, um, especially with the two of them kind of 
playing similar roles and cutting into each other's productivity left and right. This is not the Patriots, Hunter Henry, John Smith, where they do different things, which we'll get to. It's the same guy playing two to two spots on the field and still trying to share three wide receivers and two running backs. All a lot of melt the feeds with a not great offense. Couldn't agree more. There's no way that this, these two are even going to be within the top four or fifth in pecking order. Cause when you, when you add the running backs in, there's just no chance. I want nothing to do with these two tight ends. Right. Don't draft them anywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's just, these guys have the potential to be tight end 20 pluses each, which is not what you want to do when you could take it. Mean, you're not, you're not playing a 20 team league. So there's no point knowing the tight end 20. <laughs> That's really how it boils down to. Um, I think that really does it for the New York jets. I'll move on to the next worst team in the division based on record. I don't know if it's based on talent really, but the Miami dolphins, they finished the season nine and eight last season. Um, they lost their coach in some sort of, I don't want to call it uh, well, let's just call it a legal issue with the league and tanking and racism and yada, yada, but Brian Flores is out. I think he did a fine job in Miami and kind of got rushed out of town for various other reasons. But in any case, Mike McDaniel takes over his first year as a head coach coming over from also the Niners. Is that correct? Yeah. That is oh, yeah. correct. So we add more Niners head coaches to the. That's, what, that's uh, how Mike McDaniel sounds too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he brings with him first year offensive coordinator, Frank Smith, who was formerly the quarterbacks coach for somebody. Craig. Is that right, Craig? I always oh boy always default to you. Yeah, you have me on the spot. Um, I'll have to research. Continue. Yeah, okay. You, yeah, you have me, Frank. I do want to say that he was the quarterbacks coach for somebody, but I can't remember who. Well, Frank case, Smith Plumbing comes up first. So. Oh, nice. Well, that's good. Check your pipes out, everybody. <laughs> this is your daily reminder to check your pipes. Um, quarterback yeah, so, coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, New Orleans Saints, and Chicago that's who Bears. Was, right. New it. I'm so, so smart. So Herbert and then Drew Brees. So there we go. So pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty. And if you can take Tyreek Hill, the new Miami Dolphin, if you can take his word for it, Tua is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL and everybody else should shut up. So we'll see if he can actually connect with his new weapon. But Tua had a rough year last year, um, only was able to play in 13 games, 263 completions on 388 attempts, which are low numbers on both sides. 68% completion, though. Can't you know? Can't fault him for that. He's creeping up on seventy, but he only threw for twenty six hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns, and ten picks. So, could you imagine if he didn't have Jalen Waddle? Oh, oh yeah. What did half of those Holy go to Waddle? Right. Um, then Jacoby Brissett filled in admirably in five starts to to end the year when um, Tua was hurt. So, or not to end the year, I guess is in the middle of the year. But in any case, Tua is back again this year with. A few new faces surrounding him, but mainly Jalen Waddle will be returning, probably looking to have just as productive of a season. However, Tyreek Hill would like to nip that in the bud and get most of those targets, and he's doing everything he can in the media to make sure that Tua wants to look at him first. Because Tyreek Hill is coming over from KC, bringing 159 targets that way, and Tua only threw the ball 388 times, so that would mean a 50% target share almost for Tyreek Hill to get that same amount of production, unless the offense absolutely takes off. So, Definitely something to keep an eye on if you're buying into the Dolphins is just the sheer number of plays that they tend to run, which is towards the bottom of the NFL and the points that they score, which they scored 341 points, which was good for 22nd in the league last year. And 
if you're buying into offenses, that's not necessarily the one I want to, I want to buy into a ton of. So um, I don't know, maybe you guys disagree, but I think that's, that's kind of where I'm saying uh, Tyree kill uh, Jalen Waddle. Sure. Beyond that, the depth scares me, especially the running back position. I guess I didn't touch on that, but running backs. Shaky. I mean, we can go on the Arby's. Now we've talked about Tyree kill. We know Jalen Waddle will take a little, I don't know, a step back. I think he's going to be underrated this year. Um, but again, like the Mike McDaniel is a very strong run heavy offensive mind. So let's get to the RB. Is it Miles Gaskin? Go fuck yourself. You're done. Uh, he's still there. He's what RB five or six or seven or eight on the team. Yeah. Horrible, horrible player of the, of the uh, football, but they bring in Raheem Mostert, Sona Michelle, Chase Edmonds, um, three brand new running backs to a brand new head coach, a brand new OC. So every running back there before has no ties to anyone. So it's Chase Edmonds' team, Mostert's team, Michelle's team. I would assume Edmonds is is the guy to own in Miami, but we've seen Chase Edmonds. Like he is not an every down back by any means. So it's either Moser or Sona Michelle, and I really don't know who it's going to be, to be honest. I knew with Mostert, he's coached under Mike McDaniel for years, so that's a positive, but we've seen his injury history, and we've seen Sona Michelle play very well last season. So it's going to be very weird to see if both make the team, and if they both do, how is that? Is it going to be a three-headed committee? If so, that sucks for fantasy. Yeah, terrible for fantasy. Like you said, Sony played very well last year in relief of Daryl Henderson in, in L.A., um, but it's got to be Chase Edmonds' room to lose. He, I mean, as soon as he was available, they brought him in. So I'm guessing he starts off with the ball in his hands, and if he keeps it and he plays well, then, yeah, sure, he can, he can be the guy there. But it's the San Francisco running room all over again, and it was scary to buy into that before. I think it's even scarier here with a less um, less potent offense. Yeah, Mike McDaniel brings the exact situation that we saw with the 49ers last year or the last three or four seasons. Um, great running coach. This, there will be someone from this or two possibly that will be fantasy relevant. I can't expect the ceiling that you saw Elijah Mitchell have last year due to the fact that a everyone else was hurt or bad. And he was the only one there prior to that. We had multiple uh, running backs and that's where Raheem Mostert's coming from. So while Chase Edmonds may be the, the, the healthier uh, running back, I, I think that if, and I think it's important to say why Mostert uh, being cleared for training camp right away is important is because I think that he actually has the first shot at it um, because of the fact that he's had the first shot of it the last three seasons before his injury. Um, and it, then it just seems to be that he keeps coming back. He's, he's an ultra fast running back. That's gonna, they're bringing over the wide zone RPO. And I think that that's the type of back that they want. And Chase Edmonds is going to be able to be another fast one cut running back that can do it as well. So I think it's between those two. Uh, Sony Michelle will obviously fill in when Raheem Mostert is fine. But I think that Tyree Kill, it's, you can't 
get get away from the fact that I think Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle will eat into some of this running work. Not specifically getting rushing attempts, but designed plays that could have been runs that will be played like runs the on the NFL. Right. So you're gonna see these, you know, two yard hitches or, you know, you know, three yard slants that are a lot shorter than normal or just plays that will fit beneficially to the style Hill and Waddle can give to a type of offense that Mike McDaniel is going to run. So a lot of it is, is up in the air. I I would be very confident in both Hill and Waddle to finish wide receiver twos or higher um, and one or two running backs to finish RB three or higher. Yeah. And you've, you've seen in KC Tyreek Hill do that little shovel pass behind the line of scrimmage just for, you know, like that, that touch pass on, on the sweep for, Mm -hmm huge gains, touchdowns in the red zone, you know, anything. So if you're playing that off of RPO, you have tons of runs that can, you know, shift into those little touch passes. So I think that's a great point um, um, as well. And then the scary thing for Sony Michelle, if you think Raheem Mostert and Chase Evans run the RPO being speedbacks a lot more is that Sony Michelle sees way less touches, but God forbid he becomes the goal line back from Miami and he's vulturing touchdowns from these guys left and right. And now nobody's startable. And I mean, it, it creates a, a big headache across across I mean, the. It's it's to... a headache, but I will I'll say the same thing. This is an offense that's almost red zone proof, based off of how the things are. You know, ba- based off of how the speed and agility uh, across the entire line of scrimmage. Uh, Mike Kasiki may be the tallest guy, but he might not be the red zone target. Like it's it's everything's going to operate very well in tight spaces and the blocking schemes are going to be very, you know, used very well. And I don't think that there's going to be an eye. I don't think there will be a single back, you know, under center uh, play for, for this. So I don't know if Sony Michelle um, will eat or have a goal line role. I don't know if there's a goal line role at all in this offense. See, I just picture Sony as the Jeff Wilson of, of this team, which is, you know, he was a thorn in everyone's side for the entire time he was healthy in San Fran. So there's that. And then to the Gesicki point, you can see Gesicki do what Travis Kelsey did in KC because Tyree kills going to come over and be like, Hey, we used to run this play with my buddy, Travis. You want to try it, Mike? And be like, wow. Yeah. I'm just as good an athlete as he is. Or and just think of George thing. Kittle. Yeah. Think of yeah. George Kittle. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. very, very similar kind of, He's yeah. a poor man's George Kittle, but yeah, it's just it's definitely a very interesting and very very changed offense from just one season ago. So it'll be fun to see them put it on the field and see if they can actually execute what we think they're capable of. From a Madden perspective, this team will be un- unbeatable with that all that speed. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, in Madden they're like one seed, but. Yeah. However, um, however, Tua can't really pass it very far, which is what you need to do in Madden with 98 <laughs> speed wide receivers. So I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, yeah. the only person that can stop this team is Tua, and he's yeah, trade. Say, hold my beer. You said we're oh, so. Craig on TSF said that we're red zone proof. Yeah, let me show you this throw. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to move on from the Dolphins, guys? We'll get into oh yeah the hometown team, the New England Patriots. 10 and 7 uh record last year. Kind of surprised me when I wrote that. Not we bad. can move on. We can move on to the Bills now. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the one highlight for the Patriots here. But no, seriously, 10 and 7. Um, second place in the division behind the Bills. Bills are fantastic. We all know that. But the Pats put together a, a very 
what I think of what a lot of teams would call a successful season at 10 and seven. I mean, as Patriots fans, we've been spoiled for so long that we look at 10 and seven as like an abject failure, but a lot of teams would be, you know, selling their firstborn to get a 10 and seven. So let's not lose sight of that sixth most points scored in the NFL at 462. I mean, that's a, a far cry from the dolphins. We just talked about who are 22nd in the league in the low 300. So you put up that many points, your team's doing something right. Whether or not you have the stars and stripes and everybody that, you know, the, the entire media that gives you the respect you deserve. Mac Jones went out and played a full season, 352 completions on 521 attempts, the same 68% completion that we just gave two a props for, except that he turned his into 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns and 13 picks. And he did it with weapons that a lot of people, couldn't do anything with you know a lot of these younger quarterbacks would have come into the same situation and potentially struggled mightily and mac looked like for a rookie that he had his head about him and he can actually make something happen now what i'm concerned about 7.3 yards per attempt that's a little bit low we'd like to see that a little bit higher we talk about this all the time like come on alr just catch those fucking passes yeah. And, yeah. and exactly, we if you watch the games like we all did, you know that that doesn't necessarily fall square squarely on Mac Jones's shoulders. It's a lot of people, but we could, I guess, you could make that point for if you watched every single game across the NFL every time. But the good thing is they went out and they tried to get him some help. They brought in some guys. Devontae Parker, namely, is, is really the one I'd like to focus on, um, being the the person that has a shot to do the most to impact this team that wasn't on the team a year ago. There's not a lot of vacated targets, not a lot of vacated rushes, not a lot of guys are leaving town, but you added Devontae Parker, a guy who does something that really nobody else on the team does. I mean, you could argue that Jacoby Myers plays a similar role, but I think Jacoby doesn't quite carry the same clout that Devontae Parker does, or I should say a healthy Devontae Parker does, because the big thing with him the last couple of years has just been staying healthy and on the field. You're still going to have Kendrick Bourne, who showed up last year, I'd say almost surprisingly and i mean to the tune of 55 catches on 70 targets and 800 yards i haven't looked but i'd guess that's the best of his career and five touchdowns which i'm going to also guess is the best was for three and 125 rushing yards yeah and 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 he quite honestly looked like he's primed to break out last year and if he's only decided to build on that this season and his rapport with mac jones i think this year could be even better for him again he's playing a different completely different role than Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers or, God forbid, Nelson Aguilar is on the field at all. Um, Gunnar Olszewski is the guy who left town, really, and he's not a huge loss. He's a special teamer, so we're not going to worry and spend too much time on him. Flip side, running game, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, dominant one-two punch for the team last year. This is a team we don't usually get into this kind of stuff, but they lost a couple big pieces on the offensive line, which I think is what's going to impact these running backs more than anything. Um, you lost Shaq Mason to the Bucks, and you lost Ted Karras, who are two, you know, absolute units that played tons of minutes and tons of snaps for the past last year and led them to this, I didn't say otherworldly rushing attack, but a very, very solid running game that accounted for 335 attempts on the ground last year, which is a lot. And um, Damian Harris tacked on 15 rushing touchdowns as part of that. So if you read Scott's bold prediction article, you've kind of already seen the Ramondre Stevenson hype coming from TSF boys. And you're going to keep seeing it because I think Ramondre Stevenson and all the points Scott makes in that article are, are spot on. I think what we saw last year 
And with the kind of the historical way the Patriots treat their running backs like Damian Harris in their contract years, they don't run them into the ground. They just move on. They will use him, you know, this is probably the same amount or a little bit less than last year. They'll start a transition to Ramondre Stevenson. You'll see some more JJ Taylor and some other random guys fill in that you've never even heard of that probably aren't even on the team yet. They'll be UDFAs and uh, you know, a couple of weeks from now or practice squad guys that get called up, but Damian Harris probably doesn't look like a full repeat of next year. He certainly doesn't repeat 15 touchdowns. I think that's more of a safe bet With than anything under else. a thousand yards. Right. We, which I'd like to go back and see historically how many times people have done that. And the only, the only person I think that gets in Ramondre Stevenson's way of taking over this backfield almost entirely is Ramondre Stevenson. And that's by him fumbling the ball. If he goes out and does what he did last year with a couple of fumbles, he will cost himself a lot of snaps, but I think Bill Belichick showed faith in him last year. I don't think that faith's gone away. He went back to him and Ramondre proved that he, he earned a, a bigger role. So I think Ramondre is the guy to own. I still think Damian Harris is worth drafting. I don't think he's a guy that you just cast aside and say he's done. I'll own him probably in a lot of leagues because I think he's going to fall in a lot of our hometown leagues with a lot of Pats fans. I'd say nationwide, people probably don't feel that way unless they're listening to us. But you guys can tell me. If yeah, I'm wrong I mean, right. you talk about about the receiver, so I won't really talk, talk about them at all. But yeah, um, I think Damian Harris at this point is probably RB twenty seven ADP. Stevens is probably RB thirty eight plus. So, Church Harris could finish better, but I think they're going to be very on par. Where you can get Stevenson round ten plus. Um, but I'll talk about the tight ends a little bit. Jono Smith, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry at nine touchdowns last season on fifty catches. That's that's very very good. Uh, that doesn't happen a lot, but. Uh, if you read my article again, I think it's going to be a 10 and one. He was Matt Jones security blanket last season. So you want that for any rookie quarterback and the red zone target. I know you bring in Devonta Parker, who's always a red zone target wherever he plays, but Hunter Henry, I think is going to take over that role again. I want to ask you, you guys, Craig, John Smith, what role do you think he fits in this offense? Because I know we want that second-year breakout with the Patriots with that massive contract. Do you think that the offense uses him in a different way? It's interesting because in the beginning part of the year, they were almost using him as a blocking tight end, and then which I would have thought it would have been Henry and not him. Um, and then later on, they started to use him as like an H-back. So I have no idea. Because I don't think that Matt Patricia, Joe Judge are smart enough to figure out what to do with Chanu Smith. Um, and if they if somehow it, it works out, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with those two uh, as offensive uh, minded people because they're not. Um, this is why we were screaming for Bill O'Brien uh, yeah. to be the OC. I love Bill O'Brien because if that was the awesome case, offense. I'd be this Johnny team. Smith. This this room. team doesn't have an identity. It's it's so weird. And and everyone's talked a lot about Mac Jones's improvement over the offseason, his leadership, his his weight, whatever. Um, you know, we, we you expect that out of out of a, a sophomore quarterback that means to you know do well in the NFL. You know, they're, they're all going to do better. Uh, it's like hearing the injury riddled guy is in the best shape of his life. You know, but 
I don't know. I honestly, I honestly couldn't give any fantasy advice other than I think that Ramondre Stevens is a good uh, late round pick. Um, but I won't go into any much more that hasn't already been said. Um, they did lose. I think this is important to note outside of the offensive lineman. They did lose their fullback and didn't sign another one. And that's something that the Patriots have always had. So and that, that they're pounders. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if John Smith is going to, maybe whatever, but, but then that means that he's absolutely garbage for the contract that we paid him paying a $15 million fullback. But, um, <laughs> hey, even you doesn't get that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we do free. need, we do need a breaking news button because after, <laughs> after the top of the hour, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has passed his physical. Um, so he's not on the, uh, pop. Um, so we should see a trade tomorrow uh, by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so I'm, I'm good on the Patriots. If you want to move on, I don't really have much more. Yeah. I wanted to touch on the rookies real quick. Um, that was the only other thing. Well, they did bring in Ty Montgomery. You can't forget about him, but moving on. Sorry, if you're special, special um, Thornton was the big, the big reach in the draft, unless you want to call Cole strange, the big reach in the draft, which were both Patriots picks, but Tyquan Thornton, um, is maybe a guy who can make an impact on the on, on the on the offense. It's probably going to be him or Nelson Aguilar flying down the field, and hopefully one of them catch the ball. That's really the only difference I think that we see. Um, Tyquan Thornton, I don't think is much of a fantasy anything. Mm, certainly not. not certainly not redraft. Maybe well, definitely dynasty. You want to own everybody you can in dynasty that mm-hmm. might be on the field at any point, but. Um, for Tyquan Thornton to get into a redraft league, you're talking a 14 plus team league, and that's even a fringe player at that point. Um, Pierre Strong, running back, got drafted. I don't think we ever really advise owning Patriot running backs, so I think we can just move on from that. James oh, White roll. Oh, James White roll. Thank you. Massive. Thank you, thank you for bringing Massive. that up because that wasn't in the news. James White is on Could the be pod. done forever. And is still limping after his yeah. massive hip injury last year. So Pierre yep. Strong is would be the the best pass catcher in the Patriots take on the James wet role. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's a chance James white does not make this roster. And that, I don't think that he role plays is that down again. Yeah. And that's why JJ, we also JJ talk Taylor's about still around though, right? JJ JJ Taylor's still around, around, but, but he, that's he why we talk about Raheem Mostert doing better because he, he actually has that ability. They used him last year in kind of the Rex Burkett mm-hmm. role from a few years ago, where he was someone that could also catch while running that way you're not just one dimensional when it de- when one running back comes out there the defense can guess what you're doing and then the other running back they drafted kevin harris is more of just a, a special run. teams kind of guy yeah like he's like he's a running back in in kind of name only I you know, he reminds right. me of his um kevin folk yeah there you go that's a good comp and yeah you know what that makes perfect sense that Belichick would want him because he's a huge kevin folk guy um, short short stout I think that pretty much does it for the Patriots. Uh, they're they're a team that's scary to touch in in fantasy for a lot of reasons. Um, I wasn't going to touch much of the Patriots. Nah, yeah, of I the think Patriots. 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 Time breaks are fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott finally reveals to you his actual speaking voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he doesn't stutter. The many voices of Scott to cover up the actual Wait, voice. I don't really who I don't know who that was for, but you also tried to imitate Mike McDaniel earlier on. <laughs> no, I did not. You said that sounded like him. Mike, I don't know what I don't know what it was doing there. <laughs> Mike McDaniel, that's what he sounded like. Maybe. Okay. All right. Bills. Buffalo Bills, final team in the division. These guys 
I mean, for the love of God, they're dominant force, and all they did was really get better year over year. So good for them. Uh, they were 11 and six last year. They'll probably be just as good this year. Defensive points scored, they were third in the league at 482. And for the record, we don't usually do this, but defensive points against, they were number one in the league at 289 allowed. So really, really, really good. Um, all they did was cut Cole Beasley, who became more of a distraction than anything else in, in that locker room with the whole COVID, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into it. And then they're probably letting the million-year-old Emmanuel Sanders go, who is maybe still technically on the team, maybe not, but he will not play for them. And I, I, I would bet a large amount of money on that. And then they let these guys go, and they bring in O.J. Howard, Duke Johnson, Jamison Crowder, and Tavon Austin and Matt Barkley. And then they drafted James Cook and Khalil Shakir. So – they also drafted a stud cornerback, Kair Alam, but we're, we won't talk about that. But this is a team that was pretty much set to repeat their fantastic run, maybe make a push at the Super Bowl. And they ran into the the Bengals' buzzsaw. It is what it is. Yeah, that's what they lost, right? Was that KC? No, it was KC. Bill's lost to KC on a coin I take flip. it back. It was KC. But in any case, you know, they're they're poised to repeat their their success of last year. And it's all really on the back of Josh Allen, who is their QB one, their RB one. Uh, he hasn't really become their wide receiver one yet. That's Stephon Diggs, and that will be him again this year. But 32 touchdowns, 15 picks, over 4,000 yards on 63% completion. But he threw the ball 603 times and completed 377 of them. So his completion percentage is a little bit low. You may like to see that get a little bit higher. But you also got to remember a lot of his game is on the move, you know, taking some deep shots. And, you know, those two – those incompletions do add up and even some of the times where he just throws the ball away because he knows he can just go out the next play and, and pick up a first down so um i think he's really improved in the mental aspect of things so i don't want to dog him for his a little his slightly lower completion percentage that hard um i mean josh allen qb1 again more than likely everybody in agreement with that no i don't i don't have our rankings up. no he's a, yeah of course he's qb1 yeah <laughs> okay all right cool um then we'll move on so <laughs> Wide receivers are easy. Stephon Diggs is the guy to own. He's number one. Um, Gabby Davis is the new hotness, but he's also the new fatness. So keep an eye on his weight loss as we get closer to uh, to, to, I heard, to actual. Game. I heard that was more muscle though. I, that one's oh, not yeah. a. That's not a fat one. That's like a he bulked up like because he was. I think it was like two ten to fifteen before. Yep. Now he's two twenty eight. Is what you're saying? Yeah. So eighteen yeah. pounds. Yes. Yeah. And then you'll have Jamison Crowder, who can probably go back to doing Jamison Crowder things, playing in the slot, the way you used to see him do it for Washington for years and years and years. And in theory, he can fill the Emmanuel Sanders slash Cole Beasley role, which is usually good for 100 targets and anywhere from 60 to 80 catches. If he slots right into that, I mean, Stephon Diggs can keep his role pretty much steady. Gabby Davis can have a little bit of an increase in his role, and everybody goes home happy. So those are your three receivers, and I'd say you can probably safely draft all three of them. Isaiah McKenzie before Jameson Crowder. Yeah, Isaiah McKenzie I love um, just from what I've seen him do on the field. I just don't know. I don't he's know. been in the offense for so long, and he's been such a reliable so, source when they need him to be. Um, and but he Craig, mostly just he, beat the shit out of the Patriots one game. Yeah, well, I mean, so <laughs> right, but I think Craig brought up something before about Isaiah McKenzie compared right. to James Crowder. Right. So, 
Isaiah McKenzie's uh, notifications and news has been all over the place. It's been like the stock market. It's gone up and down and up and down because it's first saying he's got the job. Then they said he's just going to be a special teams guy. Then it says that he's he's leading um, in practice. So they opened up as one of the first teams for inside training camp live. And I had noticed that Isaiah McKenzie is actually leading all the routes, even ahead of Stefan Diggs. So he's acting as a leader while Jameson Crowder is now not practicing today because of soreness. So there's a little bit of a competition here that I think is leaning towards Isaiah McKenzie. And it's something I'm paying attention to very closely due to one of the, I have Crowder as on a, on a dynasty team, but it, it will be important to know who gets this job because of what Cole Beasley has done in the past. And I don't, I mean, I'm I really going to think that they're going to s- split them between the two. I think it's, I think it's Isaiah McKenzie's job to lose at this point. And Crowder, yes, was brought in and the second highest paid wide receiver on this team. However, if he can't get past one day of training camp and not be sore, that's a, that's an alarm. Um, and, and so, McKenzie can do it all the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. If Crowder's hurt, that McKenzie slides in the cake, and and he he knows the offense. He's ready to play. But he's a guy who's never had more than thirty catches in a season. He's been on the Bills for four years and the Broncos before that. Whereas you have Jamison Crowder, who even last year with Zach Wilson in a not very good offense had fifty-one receptions and has never had less than uh, fifty-one unless he's been hurt, which is one season. And every other season he's been above that. And that's with a slew of different teams and quarterbacks. So when you boil it down straight to talent, I think Jamison Crowder fits in better. He's the vet. They've, they've done very, very well with veteran wide receivers, but it, it really is a wait and see. Um, Both of these guys either way are stash on your bench and and see what happens. But I think they're both draftable in both redraft and dynasty for that matter. Cause if either one of them pops to the tune of Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders production or target volume, you've got a wide receiver two on your hands and you've probably spent the 15th round pick on them. Yeah, both of them are going to be later round, and, and that's that's the truth. They're going way later than Gabby Davis, which I also want to ask, do you buy into the playoff Gabby Davis, or no. are we okay, – That was so quick. That was, <laughs> that was so quick. And, yeah. and I agree with you. I don't either. I don't God's think that because he, he has to tell Dickie that four times I, a Because I bought in a Keelan Cole at one point. I bought into Dante Pettis at one, at one point. I'm not buying into Gabby Davis. I yeah. think uh, I think that's that's. The I mean, right call. you're saying playoffs. I, this is more end season stuff, but playoffs alone that that's a different animal. Um, a lot of times it doesn't tra- translate into the next season, um, as we've seen with the 49ers running backs, Tevin Coleman, Rookie Mostert, um, Damian just Williams, like... The Chiefs. Like like it, it it's just different animal where you end so hot that you're the next big thing. But let's remember what you were mid-season last year. Yeah. 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 I mean, 55% catch rate is bad. (laughs) Bad. Yeah. On the arguably the best quarterback in the league. (laughs) When everyone else is outpacing you by like another 10%. I don't care how much weight you gain. We talked about this in our podcast before with the fat news of Gabby Davis. If it's muscle, it's fat. You still gain weight. You're probably still going to lose some speed. Yeah, if that's and if that's what you are, it's. I mean, I like Abby Davis a lot. I I think he's going to be a fine receiver. I don't think he's going to be finished where he's being drafted. 
Yeah, and, and you so. made the point before about Ramondre Stevenson versus Damian Harris. It's like you have a ton of hype on Damian Harris when Ramondre Stevenson ends up producing the same amount multiple rounds later. I think the same thing can be said for Isaiah McKenzie slash Jamison Crowder as it relates to Ga- Gabby Davis. Or you take it like another sexier name from the division and you say, okay, how about Devontae Parker? How do you compliment this? I think Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder have the same year that Devontae Parker has, despite Devontae Parker being the way sexier, bigger, more interesting name that people right. want to you know, turn back into the guy from three years ago. I mean, we talk about buying offenses you buy the bills offense. And if you want to make that case about Gabby Davis and you want to buy him because of the bills, I'll hear that, you know, 10 times out of 10, but I'm not going to listen to the case about just Gabby Davis and his last four weeks of production. Like you just said, Scott, I mean, this stuff happens. It comes up from time to time. Don't put a ton of stock in it, but what I will put a ton of stock in are the bills because the bills are legit and you don't know, you know, it's going to be Stefan Diggs. You don't know who else it's going to be, but it's going to be somebody because 5,000 yards are well. Okay. 4,000 passing yards have to go somewhere. And it's not all Steph. Right. That running back room is also just as big of a challenge. And all um, the rooms are a challenge. Take the tight end room. What yeah. the fuck are we talking about tight end rooms being a challenge? But yeah, no, go ahead. Running backs. Um, I, I was just going to say a lot of everyone is, is going James Cook because of new hotness takes. And Devin Singletary had 40 receptions last year and 50 targets. You know, it's that's still nothing to sneeze at, even though it was not great. I mean, yards for reception is at five. I know he's a running back, but it's still not great. Um, and I know that Zach Moss is, I mean, just wipe Zach Moss off the face of the planet. Like, I don't think he has to com- compete with him whatsoever. Um, he was a healthy scratch in the beginning of the year, started to play a little bit, and then towards the end of the year didn't didn't play again. So it's really between Singletary and Cook. And if that's the case, I mean, both should be good. But you'd like to see one of them um, be the guy, you know, know, know which one is going to be what role. Uh, and Devin Singletary had a pretty good, not just offseason or uh uh, playoffs, but towards the end of uh, last season in fantasy, Devin Singletary was a guy to own. Yeah, I mean, you'll take him at four point six three yards a carry. You know, over the course of the year, that's that's not a bad total, just sub five. I'm I'm not upset with. Now, can he do it again? Is he the RB one? Well, no, because Josh Allen's the RB one. But uh, Devin Singletary is very interesting. I'm probably more in that James Cook camp of who I'd want to own long-term. Certainly, Dynasty James Cook's the guy. Uh, redraft, I'm. Uh, this is the one thing. I, I know I just said a, a whole big, got on my fucking soapbox about buying into the Bills offense. I'm not touching Bills running backs in, in redraft. If you see a Bills running back on my redraft squads, I, I got too drunk at the draft. <laughs> I, did, I, I, I wanted to just throw cold water on the James Cook. Uh, no, I, I think that's fair fire but it's uh it's i think i think you should still be able to count on Devin singletary i think singletary can be a very sneaky pick this year and i'm not like a massive Devin singletary fan i was actually a zach moss uh, fan. yeah <laughs> so, I was, yeah i was neither i lean more singletary but yet neither fan of any of the two before that yeah big cook big cook fan love james cook but right. in redraft i think you had to draft Singletary first. I do hope Singletary pops again. I got one of my clients to sign Singletary jersey, and then he had a terrible year. <laughs> so I really felt responsible That's for right. that. 
Um, but hopefully, you know, he'll bounce back. Uh, the other room I want to talk about very, very, very quickly before we wrap it up here, this podcast is probably going a little long, but um, OJ Howard signed to the roster. Very interesting pick because you had Dawson Knox who had what 600 yards last year, 587 on 49 catches and nine touchdowns. So you're looking at a pretty productive year out of Dawson Knox and they go sign OJ Howard. Maybe it's an insurance policy. Maybe it's to have two tight ends. A lot of teams run those sets. Maybe they want to get into that. No matter how you look at it, it's a problem for Dawson Knox because OJ Howard, when healthy, is a great tight end. The problem is a very limited when, amount of time he's been healthy. When healthy. Yeah. But he's looked um, 17 games last year. All the reports, though, of um, I think Craig, you told me this too. He's looked very out of shape, not there, um, <sighs> unathletic. OJ Howard. Good, good, good. Uh, I don't remember that, but I may have. Yeah, so I mean, so far, Campy's looked very ashamed of himself. Like, the injury's still there. But again, like, I think OJ Howard is a, is a very awesome signing of like one year, what, $2.1 million? Yeah, like, no risk. <laughs> no risk. I mean, if he comes back to 75% of himself from his first two years, massive boost to the entire offense. Yeah, so um, Devin Singletary is going in the seventh. James Cook is going in the ninth. Yeah. That feels right. It does, in a sense. I still think nine is early for – for I think seven is early for Bill's running back, too. Well, my problem is still, though, with all ADPs, you are still dealing with dynasty drafts, kind of shifting those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, it was solidified more like mid-August. Yeah. I have nothing else to add there. No, yeah. me neither. So that pretty much wraps up the Bills. I think they're they're a team you want to buy into a lot of um, across the board. I mean, Josh Allen, wide receivers, running back game, like we talked about, is a little more dicey. But Dawson Knox, and I would own Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard, just getting not on the same team, but I would own them separately. Um, that's really it. Uh, I mean – Bills probably due to repeat again. Another AFC East championship seems to be coming their way unless they have some sort of massive, massive. Vegas injury. odds are 12 and a half. Really? It's a big number. Big number. I would probably, I don't know. I would probably hit the under on that. I think they go right at 12. I think that's a safer bet. I mean, you have a little more competition in the division this year. The Jets got better. The Dolphins got better. The Pats didn't really get better, but they should be just as good slash better with, you know, just year-over-year growth for the quarterback. That's probably an under hit uh, for me, but I could see that either way. Very good. Yeah, I think that really wraps it up. So, like I said at the top of the podcast, though, please start reaching out to us with your draft questions. We're gearing up for that. We'll have the draft kit out shortly with more rankings. We'll probably – Maybe take a breather from division previews in between one of these and give you an updated rankings um, rankings podcast just to get you, get you something different and punctuate the division previews a little bit. But um, the next thing coming up is the NFC divisions. We'll get you all four of those rocked and ready to roll. That's pretty much it, guys. As always, TSF coming at you. Top shelf fantasy. Stay fluid. Stay loose.